Oh, something earthquake. I remember what it felt like to be underneath your massive frame as you came crashing down on my ribcage. And I also remember you, Dino Bravo, and Jimmy Hart laughing out loud as they rolled me out in that stretcher, man. I remember the tears in the eyes of all my little holsters, wondering if this was really the end of Hulkamania. The question that even I wanted about myself. But most of all, I remember the outpouring of all my Hulkamaniacs, all their cards, man, all their letters, and thank God for all their prayers. And I also remember the man who was leading the charge of all my Hulkamaniacs, the big bad tugboat. You know something, Earthquake? The memory is still fresh in my mind of you and Dino Bravo double-teaming the tugboat, making sure he wouldn't be in my corner here at SummerSlam. And that's why we're dedicating this match tonight to the Tugster. And it's also why your plan's not gonna work, Earthquake. Because I'm not going into the ring on my own tonight. I've got the big boss man on my side, making sure that justice will be served. Another chapter in American history will be written tonight. And just as Thomas Bossman Jefferson stood at the side of George Washington Hogan as I chopped down the cherry tree with the 24-inch pythons, We'll chop you down, Earthquake, and the Hulkster never tells a lie. So what you gonna do when the Hulkster and the Big Boss Man pass their constitutional rights on to you? Mezzanine Sleepover. Hello. Episode 141, Chopping Down the Cherry Tree with the 24-inch pythons. That promo is tremendous. Oh. I love the, I love the fact that it's a, the, big Thomas, the big Thomas Jefferson boss man. Uh-huh. Big boss man Thomas Jefferson and George Washington Hogan. Uh, I also love the tongue. never tells a lie. What can you say? Well... He he definitely uh, does talk uh, and says things oh. that he feels. So, <laughs> you know. Hello. You hear me? Yep. What happened? I don't know. How are those headphones? They're pretty good. Yeah. Are you psyching me out or what? No, I'm not. I swear to God. Tell people about the headphones. Oh, I got to, got some some new uh, Bluetooth headphones. Look at you. So if I didn't if I didn't look bad enough sitting in my car with my phone up to my face. Now I got these big ass headphones. I mean, I seem to be talking to myself. Well, that's fine. <laughs> that's, <laughs> I guess so. Uh, so I thought, I thought I had an issue with the headphones, but I believe it might have been my Wi-Fi. It may have been. It's usually your Wi-Fi. So, anyways, and you missed my you yes. missed my uh, my joke about Hogan being racist, but that's okay. Uh, oh man, oh man, that's too bad. Uh, I would, also, I would like to hear that. Also, though, those references pale in comparison to the Tugster. <laughs> The Tugster, yes. Uh, that was uh, that was my favorite part about that promo. I did, I did enjoy that. Yes, uh, we are good. we are talking uh, SummerSlam 1990 today on the Mezzanine Sleepover. I am one of your sleepover pals. Uh, slip with five eyes or slip. 
I am at megamix.com, all one word on Twitter. And uh, yeah, you know, I got to say, back uh, back after uh, Les Vacances, and uh, I, I quite enjoyed listening to, uh, to last week's episode with Stu. Ah, well what, done. Yeah, it wasn't work. wasn't too bad. I think that was was that, that was our first episode where you were were not on. Second, uh, I I bowed out of the uh, <laughs> part two of the WrestleMania, the Ultimate Guide to WrestleMania. That's right. So Stu's had experience doing uh, yes. doing the sleepover one on one. But yeah, we uh, we got through SummerSlam two thousand and four, a wretched show. Go back uh, to mezzaninesleepover.com and have a listen to that one. If you, if you want, I mean, our show, me and Stu's show was good. The pay-per-view that we reviewed was wretched and I was there. Very, very bad. So Uh, it was, it was nice to hear some of the first-hand accounts and, uh, and get Stu's perspective, which is always solid. Uh, you made reference to your vacation. We're going to talk about that next week. So everybody stay tuned for that. Stay tuned for that. It's going to be, uh, I'll give you all the whole lowdown. Did Megamix go to the Bay when he was at West Edmonton Mall? <laughs> Find out in a week. I did, I did. I did not, but I gotta say, I got a lot of thoughts on West Edmonton Mall. Oh, excellent, excellent. I wonder how it's yes. changed in the seventeen years since I lived there. Not a whole lot, I assume. <laughs> uh, so when I was there, when you were there, it's exactly the same. Excellent. Well, not excellent, but whatever. It's Edmonton. We'll Fuck. get into it next week on the sleepover. So don't don't miss it, folks. Uh, so we're going to talk now, uh, I think we're going to get right into SummerSlam 1990. It is SummerSlam season, of course. We are, uh, August 7th, 2018, and, uh, SummerSlam yeah. 2018 is in two short weeks and, yeah. uh, is gearing up to be a terrible show, uh, though the NXT show is gearing up to be maybe the best ever in a year where they've had absolutely incredible, uh, shows. So I would recommend... Finding your way or finding a way to check that out and SummerSlam, you know, find out what's good on it and watch clips after the fact. Yeah, I agree. You know, I saw the, um, I was watching in my prep, uh, for this week and next week. Um, I was watching, I originally watched this show, uh, on the uh, DVD form when I was out of the lake, but I had to go back and, and rewatch some stuff last night on the network and I saw the ad for SummerSlam and I was all, nope. <laughs> There's no way I'm watching that. Like, I'll skim it if I read that there's something decent, but there's no way I'm watching it. Like, it's bad, and it's going to be five hours long. Yes. So... I mean, you're excited because Roman Reigns will win the title. Maybe. And you'll be so happy. Maybe, or maybe they'll fail him again and then have him keep chasing the title for a fourth year. Oh, my God. Uh, I, I have to say, I've um, I've been catching up on uh, my New Japan Yes. Uh, over the course of the long weekend, I watched some uh, some G1 matches. Got some G1. Oh, yes, my, my God. You know what? It's great. These guys are going to kill each other. Like, it's seriously ridiculous. Uh, <laughs> seriously ridiculous uh, intensity and just some of the bumps. It, I don't know how yeah. you do it. I don't know how you keep doing it. Maybe they're just uh, better at taking bumps. I don't know. I, I don't know either. I feel like these guys are going to pay for it down the road. But, uh, you know, Omega... Um, he had a match in the most recent, uh, B block card, uh, with, with Ishii and, and like, Ishii's just like this, you know, he's in his forties. He's kind of one of these permanent, like yeah. mid card dudes. Yeah. It was, it was, it was ridiculous, like ridiculously <laughs> good. Like I can't even, I can't even describe things that happen. You just have to watch and you can skip the first 10 minutes when they're building up, but when they're right yeah. into it. It's it's out of control good. 
Well, I want to I want to make a point here. I don't watch a lot of New Japan. I watch whatever I can find for free. And uh, New Japan will stream some matches free of the G1. I've enjoyed a, a couple. I think I saw Omega Naito, which was fun. And uh, I think that was the other... Might have, was it last night or the night before? But anyway, enjoyable. Um, I, I want everybody, anybody who's listening or anybody out there... I mean, we're not a couple of fans who are like, all we ever did was watch indie wrestling and New Japan our whole lives. I mean, we kind of evolved out of WWE. I don't and, even... And I, like, like, not out of it, but we evolved from it. Like, we used to be just straight up WWF all the time. It's not even that and, It's not even that we evolved. It's just, like, evol- I feel like evolving would have meant that at some point in time we were, you know, behind in, 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 uh, in what we liked. Like, we were more primitive and, and, and moved maybe, on from yeah, that. No, I agree. But I don't even think that's maybe the rest, case. Maybe I, WWF... Yeah, WWF devolved. Yeah, I think WWF had that. a good product. Like it was, it was a good product yeah. for a long time. Yeah, that's true. I I will agree on that. I guess my main point is, is that there's a lot of talk out there where it's like, well, it's just snobbery, or it's like, WWF's the best, and you just don't want to see it. And it's like, no, that's not what it is. I mean, I always wanted. I mean, I was WWF from the beginning when I started watching wrestling. At this event that we're going to talk about today was my first real introduction to wrestling. And uh, for many, many years, I mean, I, you know, through all the ups and downs, and you always wanted to be kind of, you know, the, the best it could be. And I just completely lost interest. I find more more interesting to keep up with other things. I agree. And I, and I agree with your point, too. Like, it's not that we're being snobs. I, I want to like WWE. It's the most accessible product that I have. I have the network. Like, exactly. You know, I, I, oh, they have some great guys and there's guys you want to see and you want to see the, in, in storylines and angles and matches that you give a shit about. Yeah. Because they have a roster that's completely stacked. And you know what? They have a development product that's amazing. And these guys, these guys make the jump and it's just like two completely different worlds. Um, the, and the developmental product is great, which makes it even more frustrating because it's like, well, you know what to do. Like, you know how to do it right. We, yeah. we see you putting out the correct product, and yet for some reason, yeah. you yep. you just refuse to do it with your with your biggest product. Uh huh. Yep. Well, I guess it all comes down to doubting. Oh, hey, they're making money, so. <laughs> well, <laughs> nothing's yeah, going to stop I mean, them. Incomprehensively, they have a, they have giant TV deals. Yep. Not good for no them. Sense, but hey, you know what? No big deal. Uh, you know what? It's good. To, there's nothing wrong with strong wrestling product across the board. All right, so now that we've said that they had a strong wrestling product, let's talk about a pretty shitty pay-per-view. Well, it's 1990, am I right? I mean, this is not this is uh, kind of the end, the, the denouement, so to speak, of the of the Hogan era. Uh, 1990. So, so SummerSlam 1990. Uh, would you like to set the stage? Yeah, I mean SummerSlam 1990 um, live. Well, not <laughs> it was live from the Spectrum in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. It was August 27, 1990. I don't have the, right in front of me, I don't have the attendance or anything. Do you have any of that? 19,304. Yes. Anything on buy rate for this, for this tape? Uh, let me see here. There's storylines. I'm on the Wikipedia page, of course. Oh, of course. Yeah. Uh, so I'm seeing, yeah, storylines, aftermath, reception. Uh, they collected $338,000 from ticket revenue. The pay-per-view buy rate was a 3.8, which was down from the previous year's 4.8, but higher than the following year's 2.7 buy rate. Well, so it was, it was, 
I mean, by today's, well, no, I guess you can't really judge today's standards. Pay-per-view is kind of dead. Um, but by, by historical standards, not bad. Um, 1990 in the WWF, uh, interesting time uh, at WrestleMania 6, the passing of the torch. Uh, Hulk Hogan loses the, the World Wrestling Federation Championship to the Ultimate Warrior. Um, and we are about to see the um, terrible run of the Ultimate Warrior in full, on full display at this event. Hogan is clearly the number one guy. Um, he uh, is in the double main event uh, against the Earthquake, while uh, the Ultimate Warrior fights Rick Rude in the double main event. Um, yeah, I would say, I mean, I wouldn't call it a transitional period for the WWF. I think it's a, we wanted to go one way, but we're not willing to fully commit, and it's probably best that we didn't. And we've uh, already given up on the, the headphones. <laughs> The headphones are tremendous, but they are not good for um, for speaking into. So I will enjoy them very much, uh, especially on our on my flight to Chicago for All In. I'm very excited. Ah, to, excellent uh, to, to listen and have 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 it be uh, you know Bluetooth and and wireless. But that did not that was a failed experiment. Well, we may so, try it again. Wow. You you can experiment uh, again, um, and then we'll see what happens. But yeah, I will give it a try. But you know what? I do like this better. I I wasn't even getting any feedback on my end, so. This way, at least I can hear myself talk. So, <laughs> Which you love. Uh, your favorite thing in the world. <laughs> of course, I love hearing myself talk. What the fuck? Uh, so, uh, so anyway, so that's, can you 19, believe it? that's, uh, that's 1990 in the uh, WWF. So we, uh, we work our way yeah. up to SummerSlam. At this point in time, uh, they are still on a schedule with only four pay-per-views. So this mm-hmm. is actually the follow-up pay-per-view to WrestleMania six. Yes, uh, indeed. With a full, what, four months in between. So... Uh, a long kind of run here of uh, stuff going on. And uh, mm. yeah, you talked about the double main event. So I guess I'm trying to think if there was anything else uh, kind of significant going on at the time. There was. There was. Um, uh, Brutus the Barber Beefcake had just uh, had a, a major life-altering accident that would keep him out of this event where he had uh, a parasailer friend plow their knees into his face um, on a beach and uh, would render him... Uh, out of wrestling for uh, for a couple of years while they uh, after a, a full facial reconstruction, so that that would affect this card as well. Um, and uh, I don't know what not not a I mean not a whole lot going on. There was there was some new faces. Uh, Carrie Von Erich had joined the the company, um, and we had uh, you know the the powers of pain had split up previous to WrestleMania, but now they're kind of uh, you know specific, as you'll see with the Warlord here, uh, kind of in full. Uh, in, in, in full kind of singles mode and uh you know demolition kind of on their way out uh lod uh the road warriors had signed and were and were in so there was there was some stuff going on nothing terribly significant other than hulk hogan kind of you know passing the torch but not really yeah we also had i believe this was one of the last events for rick rude for bad news brown uh, yes we're, we're kind of nearing the end of their runs as well for various reasons which we uh which we can get into yeah, for sure. We, as we go, as we go in our in our typical mezzanine sleepover fashion, we do the uh, we do the you know we we get right into it, match by match, blow by blow. We're gonna bring it to you right here. Uh, so uh, we'll get into it. Of course, we both watched this. Uh, now you watched the DVD this time, correct? And then I watched. Then I rewatched on the network. Ah, so okay. um, a little a, a little more easier to watch the network. I mean, that's that's obvious. There's they they're not muting WWF. Um, you're getting kind of the full broadcast. 
the um, the DVD version is edited to remove all those references to to the to the the acronym that shall not be used up until what twenty fifteen or something. Yep. So um, you know, it's just it, it it's 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 a better experience, um, but it's not terribly different to be quite honest. Uh, and then uh, I've taken notes. I'm assuming you have some notes too. I'll break it down. Yep. Kind of match by match. Uh, you'll give plenty of comments. We will have some good times, crack wise a little bit. Yeah, uh, maybe get serious. We'll see what before happens. You, but, yeah, and before we 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 go in I, into 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 the event itself, I mean, f- for me, this was the first event that I really uh, that I ever got my hands on on a tape. My uh, old uh, cousin Glenny had a had a taped version. He introduced me to professional wrestling and, uh, you know, WWF specifically. And I had a copy of this on tape and watched it so much. Oh, yeah. So many times. Did you you dub the tape for yourself? Pardon me? Did you dub the tape for yourself too? Of course. Good for you. (laughs) So I had a copy of my own and uh, and would watch it quite a bit, you know, when I wasn't out renting tapes. So up until about, you know, I kind of got into late 1990, early 91, and I had this tape as kind of my one of my one of my guiding lights, uh, leading me into into wrestling fandom. So this one's a bit of a special one for me. Uh, do you do you have any recollections personally of this event? My fandom was in a bit of a lull at this time. Uh, I never ever was a non fan, but yeah. I wasn't watching religiously every uh, every Saturday for a period of time after WrestleMania six. No specific yeah. reason. It wasn't that I was upset with the Warrior or Hogan or any of that kind of stuff. Okay, I just wasn't paying as close attention. I never originally saw when Earthquake uh, took out Hoags. Okay. Uh, but caught up to it after the Was that like Superstars or something on the Brother Love Show? Yeah. Um, you know, obviously paid attention to the pay-per-view after it was released on VHS. I would have rented it numerous times, I'm sure. Of course. Uh, well, there was only a, there was a finite amount of tapes. Yes. At, at any given video store, though uh, around here where we grew up, there was, there was quite a few video stores. But, um, you know, you would have, you know, until I kind of started renting WCW, I mean, I went, I ran the gamut. I did as well at, uh, let's see, Addie's video, the video oh, yes. den. <laughs> yep. Ah, I, I better remember some of the names. There was one on, on St. Anne's and Nova Vista that was tremendous. Had lots of, had lots of JCP tapes. <laughs> uh, FYE video. Just amazing. Yes. Yeah. Renting. And of course, tapes. later on for us, Windsor video, the classic. Oh, of course. Yeah, Windsor was great. And then, of course, then that's when, like, Blockbuster and all that shit came to town. Yes. So, and Jumbo Video with their free popcorn. So. Yes. Uh, but. Yeah, that whole Southdale, Windsor Park area had some, had some good, uh, some good memories. Yeah. And now we don't do that anymore. We just nope. stream for 10 bucks a month. Amazing. Fantastic. Or for some people, free. Well, yes, for some people. <laughs> uh, so. Uh, one, uh, thing before we get into the matches that I wanted to note. Yes. Uh, there are four matches on this card where both wrestlers have passed away. Yes. And uh, I, this is a, I believe my count is between wrestlers, valets, seconds, and managers, and counting Piper and Lord Alfred Hayes, there are 19 dead people on this show. Jesus. There are a lot, including most recently Nikolai Volkov, who... Passed away last week, and we eulogized him on the sleepover when I asked Stu if the UK disliked the Soviet Union, and he said no, because he's a communist. (laughs) 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 
Oh, fuck. I, you know, I got to say, I'm, I'm excited to meet Stu. Yeah, it'll be good times in one month. Crazy. Yes. One month till all in. We'll, we'll get into that in a later uh, edition of the sleepover as we get closer to the big day. Uh, so they are in the spectrum. They immediately show a fan with a sign that has Bart Simpson on it. I think he's saying, don't have a cow. Of course he is. You know, it is 1990, The Simpsons. So fresh. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I, I, you know what I love about these old events is, is I mean, not only the fashions and the, the, the few signs, but also the um, how many, and I've mentioned this before, but how many, like, adult men that are just so excited. I know. Like, They're... to a point where, like, that you don't really see, like, where, I mean, you see that now. You see some serious geeks at events, but, like, these are just dudes. They're just excited to be there. They're excited to be there, but they're also excited to copy and mimic the wrestlers, to yes. to yell at the ref when he is missing something. <laughs> yes. Uh, you know, when there are shenanigans and they're and like fans are legitimately trying to uh sway the tide for the baby faces, usually. Yeah, though there is one guy at this event, and I believe there's a few others uh, around him, but there's one guy, um, hard camera to the right, um, with the macho man shirt and the crown. Who is cheering the heels. Well, and good. It's tremendous. I'm sure there are people around him who are legitimately upset with him. Well, that, that hey, we know it. <laughs> uh, so it's Heel Vince. fans are the best. It's Vince and Piper on commentary. This is oh, a serious downgrade. It's a, it's such a dog shit team. Oh, it's not good at all. It's just, and we'll, so, we'll talk about yeah, it, but it's our, so bad. For listeners who don't know, I mean, Jesse Ventura has, is now gone. I mean, we, 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 anything previous to this event, you know, you're getting a combination of Vince and Jesse or Gorilla and Jesse um, on pay-per-views and, or, or Jesse and Shivani. Um, this is this is the point where the the commentary for, for a few years takes a serious hit. Oh, it's terrible. It's it's yeah. really bad. Uh, Piper and Piper is is just bad. I mean, they do their stand up at the start and Piper's talking about Baghdad shit like that is just like what well the weird thing with piper in this one and and i've got comments throughout is that like he's a he's a baby face in Mm -hmm. in storyline yep and he sometimes commentates like a baby face but sometimes he goes after the baby faces and he's heelish like it's so weird i I just i'm not sure what his role is supposed to be because he's just confusing it is and and then it's piper so it's mildly racist, his commentary, <laughs> yeah. and it's also sometimes incomprehensible. It is, and he's he's going into business for himself with his jokes. Like it, a lot of it is just Piper trying to get Piper over. Yes, yes, exactly. <laughs> Which was a hallmark of Piper's commentary. Yes. Uh, so we have that to to look forward to for three hours. <laughs> yes. Um, it is also uh, you'd mentioned Piper's comments about Baghdad. Uh, very important to note that uh, it, the um, the original inv- Iraqi invasion of Kuwait had just happened yes. uh, in the Persian Gulf. This was, of course, well before, you know, kind of 9-11 and then the, uh, you know, the fake reasons to go into Iraq in the 2000s. Yes. Um, mm-hmm. Legitimate Iraqi invasion of a neighboring country in Kuwait. And yeah. at this point, there is not a war going on, but there is certainly mobilization of yeah. many, um, many armies around the world, including, uh, the United States. And so this really dominates a lot of the commentary and discussion mm-hmm. in this event. For the next, like, six months or eight months or one year. I mean, my God, you know, 
if there's anybody who have fucking hard on for war, it's Americans. Just getting so excited. Oh, they're all so amped up. So riled up just to be have have somebody to hate. I mean, you watch this era of WWF and it's unmistakable. Yeah, it's it like really we is. just got we just got to, you know, it's it's you know, like it doesn't matter how far away uh you know, again, I always found this to be a funny one too because it was like um okay, so so Iraq, you know, invaded Kuwait and it's like okay, that's that's terrible. You know, you want to intervene, but all of a sudden it it became USA USA and it's like you know, I, I just find it, I find it interesting that that's, that's what it turns into like immediately. Right. It's like, we, we've got an enemy now, so we're going to get right behind it all the way, right from the beginning. And, and, you know, WWF quick to exploit. Oh, of course. And it doesn't end, right? Like we're, we're 28 years later and we're still in the midst of, you know, this rhetoric. So there you go. Uh, match one. Uh, sorry, dark match. Uh, oh yeah, Shane, what, was it, what was a dark match? Shane Douglas defeated Buddy Rose. Uh, there is no time on the Wikipedia. I am actually very interested in that match. <laughs> yeah, it's, it would be <laughs> like I, like if you had said, oh, you know, like Brooklyn Brawler, you know, lost to fucking I don't know, Barbarian. I'd be like, I don't care. But Buddy Rose against Shane Douglas, very interested. Wasn't Buddy Rose all super fat at this point? Yes, he was. <laughs> I mean, I know. I, I believe this is post or maybe pre his blow away diet commercials. And Shane Douglas would have likely been working babyface. Yes, and Shane Douglas would show up uh, most prominently at um, Royal Rumble '91 as an entrant, uh, who would uh, do a fairly decent showing for himself. Uh, and so, uh, yeah, this is uh, a first uh, little little tryout dark match for for the uh, for the franchise, the future franchise. Uh, we get a tag team match to kick things off. It's the Rockers against Power and Glory. Power and Glory, of course, are Hercules and Paul Roma. <laughs> Slick is Terrible. out with Power and Glory. Power and Glory don't get an entrance. No. Uh, Shawn Michaels, uh, legitimately a few weeks before this event, had blown out his knee. Yeah, so he comes trotting to the ring. <laughs> uh, and he... Marty just kind of trots along with him so that we don't notice. But you watch it knowing it's like, yeah, that dude can barely move. Uh, so Shawn Michaels is attacked right away and whipped in the knee with the chain. And that is so that he stays outside the ring throughout the match. Uh, Hercules, of course, carries the chain because he's Hercules. <laughs> uh, Janetti is taking on both heels to start with. They eventually take over on him. Uh, basically, this match is Marty Janetti fighting one on two and getting <laughs> enough of the advantage to give you hope. But of course, yeah. um, getting overwhelmed uh, because it is two on one, right? Yeah, Power and Glory, of course, a couple of jobbers thrown together. Not a bad team. So, honestly. So, Michaels yes. is selling this knee. So, he is, like, writhing in pain on the outside of the ring. Yep. Uh, like, imagine uh, a soccer player taking a dive. Like, that ridiculous. Oh, yeah. It's, yes, yes. Uh, like, nonstop. No one tending to him. The referee seeing him, and it's just like, play on. <laughs> and, I, and I just think... I just think in what sport would that be allowed? I get it. Like, if one guy can go, like, really, if it's a tag team, even if one guy can go, no, it it's kind of like yeah, it should be, be called. called if there's no way. If Shawn Michaels is injured and he can't perform up to par, and he's but he's on the ring apron, he can tag in, and he's not, you know, he's he, he's able to move. Then yeah, match on. But the dude, the dude's on the floor. It's like he's been shot. Yeah, it's ridiculous. So uh, Piper is actually praising Power and Glory for their ring work. <laughs> 
Yes. Uh, Jeanette actually makes a comeback and gets his top rope fist drop on Roma, but Hercules breaks it up. Yep. There is a cheap shot by Hercules to Jeanette, and then the heels work him over with a backdrop and a huge clothesline, and then they give him their finisher, um, yep. which is, what is their finisher? <laughs> Hercules in one corner. Uh, they're, they're on the same side of the ring, opposite corners, and Hercules lights up Jeanette uh, with the big superplex. Well, at the same time, Roma comes off with a big splash. It's awesome. It's a pretty good finisher. It's a tremendous finisher. Uh, he is pinned with one foot to make him look like a geek. <laughs> That's right. Uh, not much and of Marty Johns. Uh, not much of anything. I have pulled up um, what I believe to be. Uh, yes, these are match ratings listed from Dave Meltzer's highly respected Wrestling Observer newsletter. This yes. is on ProfiteDatabase.com. Uh, rated this one. Three stars. Wow. Uh, it's a six-minute match. I gave it two. I said not much of anything. Yeah. I mean, I liked it. It was fine. It wasn't terrible. Um, I felt I felt that Power and Glory kind of in the handicap situation and just going over was a, was a good showcase of their talents. Uh, the heels beat on Michael's knee after the match, too, just to make them look like bigger geeks. Michael does a, Michael's does a stretcher job. Um, Here's what I want to know. In keeping with kind of the way he is, did Shawn Michaels also lose his smile when he was in his knee was injured? <laughs> I think he did. I'm sure he did. <laughs> um, so we go backstage. We go, <laughs> this yes. is a theme in this show too. We go backstage a hell of a lot in this show. Oh my god! They, whether it's and, and they alternate right to keep it fresh, like to the point where you're it's either at the SummerSlam sign or you're in the locker room. It really sucks the momentum out of the show. I find for how much they go backstage in this one. Oh yeah, absolutely. It's all the time. Um, they don't break it up like they do today with video packages and things like that, right? No, it's just like back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. Uh, Mooney, Sean Mooney, interviews Mister Perfect about his Intercontinental Title defense against the Texas Tornado. Uh, he has yep. accepted this on short notice, and uh, mm-hmm. him and Bobby Heenan are so cocky. Uh, I believe, was this the match where Brutus was supposed to get the shot? I believe so, yes. Uh, so a Texas Tornado is inserted instead, and uh, we get match two. Mr. Perfect against yeah, Texas the, Tornado. Yeah, I, I did like the promo. I found the promo a little strange, because Bobby Heenan is talking about the Texas Tornado, and, you know, they do the whole, you know, it's all about, like, uh, you know, doing, making, like, net, like metaphors, right? So it's like, oh, you're if you're a tornado, then uh, you go, you got your head in the clouds, which means you don't have your feet on the ground. That's an all right line. But later he talks about the tornadoes aren't good for anything except kicking up some dust. Uh, a Texas tornado isn't good for anything except kicking up dust and knocking over trailer parks on the panhandle. And I thought, well, then isn't isn't it not a Texas tornado? No, Texas has a panhandle. No, no, there, there, no, no, it does not. Oklahoma does. No, it's Florida. Well, Oklahoma also does, which borders oh, Texas. Okay, okay. So but that's, that's not the Texas panhandle. You are correct. I was just thinking of, but that's close enough. That's closer than the Florida panhandle. Yeah. So, so thank you for clearing that one up. Uh, geography lessons on the sleepover. There you go. Yes. But uh, that being said, I saw the promo from Perfect and, and Heenan, as always. Uh, Mr. Perfect comes out. <laughs> Roddy Piper hints that Mr. Perfect's tan may be fake because he's from Minneapolis. <laughs> And I just thought it was because he's a wrestler. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> uh, Carrie Von Erich uh, gives a pretty weak promo and talks about how he's a real tornado. Or no, sorry, he <laughs> talks like he's one. He's he he's also like talking it. like he's going, like, he gives himself all these tornado descriptions. <laughs> yeah, like he's going to come down from the clouds 
and swirl you up. <laughs> I like my favorite part is uh, Carrie Von Erich in the uh, in the interview, which is okay. Like okay, so wrestling fans who most will will acknowledge that they know that. I mean, they'll tape these these um, these uh, promos earlier in the day, just all in one big block, and then insert them in. Um, but the WWF will have you think that Kerry Von Erich is standing there while Mr. Perfect's standing in the ring. He's cutting a last-minute promo before his match because you can hear Perfect's music playing. Um, Kerry Von Erich in the promo wearing uh, bright neon green packs, mm-hmm. which, uh, when he comes to the ring, they have magically turned white. <laughs> <laughs> uh, though Kerry Von Eric does have a really kick-ass ring robe yeah he's got a very flair style ring robe and his boots so many tassels well yeah because you don't want to draw attention to those feet Kerry <laughs> <Exactly. laughs> Von Eric, of course Kerry <laughs> Von Eric, legitimately missing a foot at this point yes, uh, yes. And, 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 and for those who, who don't kind of have the you know, that don't know much about, about Kerry Von Erich and, and his story. I mean, I'm not going to go into it, but he did have a, uh, he did have his foot removed after a motorcycle accident where he had, had it, had his, had the surgery and had everything fixed and then refused to stop like doing things on his foot and rebroke it and had to have it amputated. And then would famously, he'd have his prosthetic in his boot and would famously shower in his boots. So yes. no one would know. <laughs> so- I hate to laugh at it. Yeah. And nothing to laugh at Kerry Von Erich, who shot himself in 1994. Um, but still ridiculous. Uh, so per- Perfect gets tossed off uh, of the first lockup, but then he delivers a couple of hip tosses. Uh, yeah. Then the tornado runs wild on Perfect and dumps him out of the ring. Uh, Perfect gets the heat with a forearm and delivers punches and chops. Uh, sleeper by Perfect, but Von Erich uh, makes it to the corner. Perfect slaps him. And like this is really early on. This match is only five minutes long. Yes, an intercontinental title match and a switch. Like spoiler alert, they're going to switch the title. Yeah, it's it's weird. So really early on, Perfect starts like slapping Von Erich and getting cocky, and then all of a sudden Von Erich puts him into a slingshot, slingshots uh, Perfect into the ring post, gives Mm -hmm. him the claw and the big punch, and gets the win for the IC title. The crowd goes crazy because you still this is an era where title changes mean something. Yes. Uh, this yes, match, indeed. This match was garbage, though. I gave it one star. So did Meltzer. Yeah, I'll concur with that. I gotta say, uh, I fucking loved this match when I was when I was a kid. I'm sure. A lot I fucking loved. That. I loved the Texas Tornado. I thought he was the greatest thing. When I watched this, I loved. I loved. I loved the spinning punch. Oh, I had a guy in my when I was in uh, grade seven that loved <laughs> delivering spinning punches. <laughs> Um, a couple things about this match. I mean, I loved it. Uh, again, this event is very significant in my, in my wrestling fandom. Um, I love the match watching it now. It's terrible. I did enjoy, uh, pre-match with, uh, Kerry Von Eric doing his promo while perfect was in the ring. I got to hear the extended version of the, of the Mr. Perfect music, which was tremendous. (laughs) Um, but yeah, uh, Kerry Von Eric and his white packs, which he changed right before he went to the ring. Winning the Intercontinental title. He would lose it a couple months later. Back to Mr. Perfect. He would. Uh, so now Mean Gene is in the back. Uh, he is supposed to have an interview with Sapphire. Because we all want to hear what she has to say. Oh, my God. Uh, she is not there. Uh, so no. th- he's wondering where she is. And then Bobby Heenan and Mr. Perfect come in. And they yes. rant about the loss. I love Bobby Heenan. Like, just being, like, completely, like, wrong. Talking about how 
Perfect got his shoulder up, which he didn't. <laughs> yes. And ranting and raving and perfect. I love how perfect went like somewhere between um, the match ending and going to the back for the promo where he's all he's all been like clearly punching himself in the head to make it look all red from the post. <laughs> what I love. That's awesome. I love how Bobby Heenan. And so in 1990, Bobby Heenan can stand there and blatantly lie about something that just happened where he's like, ah, oh, his his shoulder was off the mat. Yep. And in 2018, there will be people out there that would be like, yes, it was. Yeah. Well, if only only if the president said it. Exactly. Amazing. Jesus. Uh, so match three, Sensational yes. Sherry versus Sweet Sapphire. Oh, my God. <laughs> so Sherry's in the ring. She's wearing a long silver dress for this wrestling match. Yes, uh, with, and- with like heels and... Uh, and thigh high stockings. Uh, yes, this dress has a big slit up the side, so you can see their thigh highs. She's got uh, you know a garter on, and uh, yeah, some kind of a mask, and she's painted like a cat. Yes, she is. Uh, they play American Dream, and Sapphire doesn't come out. No. Nope. Uh, they play the music again. Uh, yep. Piper is now speculating. So the storyline here is that for weeks leading up to SummerSlam. Sapphire, who is uh, Dusty Rhodes, Dusty Rhodes is, I guess, like not really valet, kind of just his friend, right? Like they're not, <laughs> like they're not banging, like they don't, no, they don't kind of say that she's they. Not a manager. She just kind of shucks and dives with him. Brought out from the crowd, like he saved her because she was getting lambasted. She was like a Dusty Rhodes fan, who, um, you know, would uh, and I believe who was it back then? Was it was it uh, like when when she joined up with Rhodes? I think it was Macho uh, Man. Was it Macho? Okay. And they would like she would wear the dusty shirt and like the 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 bandana and she'd just be in the crowd and she would get like you know like um, lambasted by by the heel and then and then Dusty like saved her and then they were just buddies. Yeah, so she's with second. She was his second. Yeah, so she's been hanging out with Dusty uh, yeah. for a while now, but now all of a sudden she's been receiving these gifts. Yes. And they're all like expensive gifts, like jewelry and a Cadillac and a, and a cruise around the world. Yeah. So I guess on, 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 on the syndication shows, they would, they would talk a little bit about that. Of course, Sapphire and Dusty had faced Macho King and, and sensational Queen Sherry at WrestleMania six in the first mixed tag match in WrestleMania history. Uh, so an official comes out to speak with the ref and Finkel. <clears throat> the Fink announces that if Sapphire has th- uh, said that Sapphire is 30 seconds. To well, get they the play ring. her music first again. Yeah. In between. Uh, so they're, they're doing the real big long tease here. Yeah. Uh, so Fink starts counting it down. He says 30 seconds. Then he says 20. Then he starts to count from 10. Sherry takes over. Uh, yeah. I do love that. She's like three, two, one. <laughs> <laughs> she's so happy to win the match yes, by she- forfeit. Yes. Uh, they go backstage. Mean Gene is now with Dusty Rhodes. Uh, he is asking Dusty, where is Sapphire? Uh, Dusty, <laughs> so he's in the locker room. And he's yeah. like, I don't know, I don't know where she is. We're looking for her. Then, yep. Hacksaw Jim Duggan walks in. In a terrible acting performance. And Dusty's like, hey, Hacksaw, have you seen Sapphire? And Hacksaw's like, no, but we're, we're still looking for her, pal. And then he walks out. <laughs> so yeah, I he guess says, he's. Oh, we're all still looking for her. So I just like the idea that they're. <laughs> There's all these baby faces scouring the backstage of like backstage of the spectrum trying to find Sapphire for Dusty. Well, my wife was was watching uh, when I was rewatching a, a few of these segments last night and she was knitting and she looked up and went like, 
Why is Hacksaw walking around in the back with his two by four? Because <laughs> like in his underwear. Because that's his thing. Like I know he's and I was like, well, he's got a match later, and, and that's all I could say. Well, he's got he's a two by he's got a two by four because there are heels everywhere. He could well, that's true. He could have jumped true. at any time. Obviously, <laughs> um, I would be remiss if I didn't mention that Piper on commentary when Sapphire wasn't didn't come out. He talked about how someone should go in the back and pat her on the bum so she'll come out. Uh. Terrible. Uh, match four, we have the Warlord against Tito Santana. Uh, Warlord gets no entrance because he's a geek. He's got his Phantom of the Opera steel mask, though. So in so. this match, Piper, I guess, has decided that after watching Jesse commentate for the last six years, he's yeah. got to go after Tito Santana. I, I, it makes no sense. Uh, so Piper says that he will not call Santana a taco vendor or a bean eater. So bad. Uh, apparently, but then he almost—he also—he almost—he tries to act all sheepish. Yeah, that he's—that he's being so racist. <laughs> um, apparently, oh, but he likes burritos, though. Blah blah blah. Uh, apparently, uh, this was supposed to be Santana against Rick Martel to blow off to their tag team splitting up. Um, well, yeah, I guess it was a WrestleMania five, but uh, <laughs> does you know doesn't happen. So um, Piper, or sorry, Santana uses his speed to get the advantage to begin with. Warlord eventually turns things around. He runs Santana back first into the ring post on the outside of the ring. Um, A lot of Warlord just clubbing Tito in the back and, like, looking at the fans. And Warlord is just, like, it's like walking steroids. (laughs) It's like the the human embodiment of steroids is the Warlord. I mean, he just looks disgusting. Uh, He charges into the corner and gets a boot to the face. Uh, There's a flying forearm to Warlord, but uh, Tito covers him. Warlord gets a foot on the rope. Uh, Yeah. Tito goes for a monkey flip, but the Warlord hangs on, uh, and Tito falls off uh, and kind of takes a bump, and then uh, the Warlord Warlord gives him a running power slam a la British Bulldog. Yeah, it's so weird. I was actually shocked that he used that, that finisher at this event. I was like... I, I thought I'm like, oh, he's going to go for the full Nelson because that was his finisher, you know, at re- kind of leading up to WrestleMania when he fought the Bulldog and would job to the Bulldog with the running power slam. So, uh, yeah, um, I found it strange. This uh, my favorite thing about this match is afterwards how red the Warlord is. <laughs> so his five minutes his five minutes and 28 is five minutes and 28 seconds of work. Uh, so red. I, I gave it a star. Meltzer gave it a dud. That's a dud. Uh, we got a Survivor Series ad, so that's the next pay-per-view happening like three months later. Oh my god. And what a Survivor Series it was. Uh, this is some fun. Here we go. Alright. Sean Mooney interviews Demolition. Oh god, yes. There are three of them now. Uh, so there was, there were always Axe and Smash. Uh, those were the original members of Demolition, a, um, a Road Warriors ripoff wearing like S&M gear. Yes. And... Uh, which one was it? It was uh, Axe, right? Uh, whoever played Axe. Had like health problems that he said weren't health problems. And you can get all sorts of different versions of the story, whether he had heart problems or just food poisoning in Japan. Who knows? They were, I guess they were trying to phase Axe out into like a backstage role. Yeah. So, so they bring in the third member. It's Crush, Brian Adams, uh, not the singer who I saw on Friday. That's uh, right. Uh, so, uh, Crush comes in. He is the third member of a uh, member of Demolition. 
and they they talk about how uh, basically it's freebird rules, which means yeah. you've got three guys, and any pairing of uh, that you pick of them can defend the titles. So that is their advantage. Uh, they also yes, uh, I think you've mentioned this before when we talked about demolition, yeah. but uh, they talk in these really like they make their voices super husky to sound tough. Like we're gonna get, but but their but their verbiage is so childish. So they'll be like, exactly, we're gonna get him. I'm gonna smash him. I'm gonna beat him down, and then we're gonna kick their butts. And that's what ah. they say about LOD that they're going to get their butts kicked. No, well, they call them second-rate imposters, which is tremendous because <laughs> you know that that's that's a rib. Uh, Crush and Smash end up coming down to the ring. Uh, Vince. Uh, immediately knows that Crush is there. They are, him and Piper are speculating for a while who the other member is. It is clearly Smash. Well, yeah, and, and we're going to get into this in yes, this match because, because uh, they, they, they talk at length about how similar these guys look when they clearly don't. I mean, uh, Crush is very clearly taller. Axe has long hair. I mean, Smash has long hair and Axe does not. So uh, we'll lay that out right now. Uh, here's the promo that you wished was part of the intro of this show. Uh, <laughs> me and Gene interviews the Hart Foundation in the locker room. I, I will I will put it to you. Well, yeah. So, they, of course, they're the challengers. And uh, at first, you know, Brett talks about how he says, right out of the gate, he says, you know, we thought at first it would be the original members of Demolition, Axe and Smash, that we'd be facing. But now it's apparent that it's going to be uh, Axe, uh, Crush and Axe. And it's like, no, it's not. <laughs> it's it's Crush and Smash, dude. Uh-huh. Like, you got it wrong. Yep. Um, so I'm wondering how early, like, this must have been something where they changed it. I don't know. Where they were like, listen, you're going to be facing uh, Axe and Crush. And so he does the promo. And then, like, four hours later, they change it. And uh, and what are you going to do? You're going to reshoot the promo? Uh, Brett, of course, you know, Anvil gets excited. He gets all 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 way way over the top excited. Brett tells him to settle down, Hanville, settle down. And then uh, my favorite, uh-huh. uh, he uh, he quotes. Well, he tries to quote Phil Collins. Yes, by saying we're two hearts beating as one, which of course is not the line from Two Hearts. So okay, it's not the line. Secondly, you know I'm a big Phil Collins fan. Yes, as am I. But. Who's getting themselves over with wrestling fans by quoting Phil Collins in 1990? I have no idea. That's what I love about Bret Hart. <laughs> I love Bret Hart's musical references. Um, I remember on Twitter back, uh, you know, uh, a couple of years ago when I posted a picture of the Hart Foundation, spoiler alert, with the World Tag Team titles after winning them here. Uh-huh. And it's all winners of the Phil Collins quote competition. Because <laughs> I love this promo so much. Two hearts beating is one. Of course, the line from the song is two hearts Living in just one mind, um, and uh, bad bad one, Brett. One of Phil Collins' Vince, worst. One of Phil Collins' worst songs too. Oh my God! Uh, from the Buster soundtrack. Yes, it is. Um, uh, so <laughs> um, Vince, of course, tickled by this reference as they come back to the ring, uh-huh. and he's so interested in what it would be like. Two hearts beating as one. <laughs> It's like, imagine what that would be like. And I thought, dude, it's it's a fucking song lyric. He's trying to think of a gimmick that he can he can put together. <laughs> uh, Some kind of Siamese twins gimmick. So uh, this match is uh, the Heart Foundation against Demolition. Demolition are the tag team champions. It is a best two out of three falls match mm-hmm. for the belts. Uh, it is a great match. Brett gets the advantage to, to start on Smash. Uh, Anvil works him over too. 
Uh, Vince here says it's hard to tell demolition apart. It's not. It's not at all. They like again. Okay, they're wearing the same packs, but Crush is tall with a mullet and has his own version. He has his own special face paint, and Smash is short with a longer mullet, a more stringy mullet, and very. You know, he's got very. Um, he's got his classic face paint on that looks different. Axe, of course, later on we'll see. Short and short hair and different fucking face paint. But these guys, these two are going to do their damnedest to get us to believe that they're hard to tell apart. Anvil runs over Smash. He gets a knee to the back from Crush on the apron. Uh, He gets out of trouble by delivering a clothesline out of the corner. Brett eventually works over both members of Demolition. Uh, He gets the side Russian leg sweep for two. Second rope elbow gets the cover. Uh, He gets leg dropped by Crush, though. To break up the Brett, pen. Brett tonight, working nice and snug. Yes, he is. And Demolition gets their Demolition, whatever the fuck it's called. Demolition decapitation. Ugh. Uh, their move on him for the pin. So they get and the first And it's just ball. a terrible move, too, right? Like, Yeah. So it's like, it's, like a, it's like a second rope elbow drop, but the dude is on another dude's knee. So it's like a regular elbow drop. Uh, so they keep working over Brett to begin the second fall. This is pretty standard heat on Brett. Finally, yeah. a hot tag to Anvil, who runs wild on Demolition. The Hearts do their double-team shoulder tackle to Smash in the corner. Uh, yep. There is a heart attack then to Smash, but Crush tackles the ref during the pinfall attempt, which is a DQ for the second fall. Why what? they couldn't have just had the fall, I d- I'll never know. i got to protect Demolition, who within like six months would be like jobbing to Japanese dudes at WrestleMania. Um, I, found, I found this one interesting because... Um, um, no, I didn't find it interesting, but you know what I love about, I love, I don't think there's a better kind of uh wrestler to get the hot tag than the Anvil. Yeah. He's really good at that. I mean, he is tremendous. He, he comes in there. I mean, okay. Anvil's not a tall dude, but that guy is legitimately scary and, and a legitimate tough dude. Like he, he's the kind of guy where he gets the hot tag, you know, shit's going to happen. And he's great awesome. at it. It's what he's born yeah. to do. Like really yeah. without the, when they, when they have him as a singles performer, it just totally fails because he can't do the hot tag. No, and he can't take a beating. No, he can't. He just needs to do the hot tag and get out and let the other guy take the bumps. I mean, that was perfect for him. So after the second fall, so it's tied at one, Demolition nails Bret Hart from the behind. He falls to the outside of the ring, and Anvil goes out to tend to him. The ref is distracted, and as this is happening, Axe comes running down the aisle, and he goes and hides under the ring. I mean, you want to find what the funny, like, you want to know why Demolition is so funny to watch? Watch Axe run to the ring. <laughs> like, wrestlers are funny to watch anyway running to the ring, but for some reason, Axe, just more hilarious in how stupid he looks. Uh, Brett gets the advantage on Smash, but Smash uh, rolls out of the ring, and he switches with Axe. So yes, Axe- now remember, now listen. <laughs> like, back in the day, like a couple of years before this, the Killer Bees would do their little gimmick they'd put on their masks and they'd switch. And it was like, well, yeah, they look the same because they're under the hood. These dudes don't look the same at all. So the ref can't tell. There's just a new guy in the ring. The ref is completely oblivious. Not only that fucking Anvil isn't selling it. He's standing on the apron. He's, he's not selling that there's a new, new guy in the ring. It's like, no one knows. And it's like, I mean, get away from the fact that they don't look the same. I mean, the dude comes in with his fresh face paint. Like, whereas he, Smash is all his all his face paint's all like flaking off. <laughs> like, here's the thing: make your ref look like a geek. That's fine, 
But Anvil not selling it makes him look like such a fucking geek, too. Like, make your baby well, face look stupid. What I don't get about it is, is that fucking Vincent and, and Piper are selling it, too. Like, like you'd think they'd just be so up in arms. Yeah, well. But they're like, I don't know. <laughs> it's like, you do know. Yeah. Uh, it's clear. Uh, so, uh, there are multiple pinfall attempts on Brett, but he keeps kicking out. Uh, then as the ref is distracted again, there was a double team on Brett on the outside. So Axe and Smash start double teaming Brett. So out come the Legion of Doom. They are very yeah. new to the WWF at this point. Uh, they pull Smash out from under the ring. During the chaos, uh, Crush gets shoulder tackled by the Anvil and Brett kind of schoolboys him for the pin and the title. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh, Anvil does the big slingshot over the ropes. Yep. It's fantastic. Brett with the schoolboy. I love LOD with their clear, clearly wearing their fucking uh, NWA trunks. Yes, they are. It's so good. Uh, I love it all. So demolition. Yeah, this pop is massive. Demolition way. is protesting. The ref very noticeably with his body language is like, wait, there are three of you. You're out of here. <laughs> they so. all just did a promo at the start. Yeah. All three of them are there. Uh, so uh, great match. I gave it three and a half stars. So did Meltzer. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. I love this match. The pop uh, that for a tag team title change is otherworldly. Like of course, people go fucking crazy. Of course, on our highly illegal bootleg tape that we made of a mix of wrestling matches back in the mid '90s, this was on yes. that uh, tape. It was, it was one, one of my it. favorite matches ever back then. I mean, obviously, on a sliding scale now with the quality of wrestling these days, you're not gonna you're not gonna rank this as an all time classic. But you know what? It's a fun match to watch. And back then, this was a tremendous match. Uh, they are still advertising. Oh, this match, by the way, went 14 minutes and 24 seconds. Uh, Bret Hart in his book says that uh, they come that- backstage afterwards and Hoags is there to give them uh, praise. And he's very happy that uh, Hogan is uh, happy with the match. That's fucking great. Uh, they are advertising WrestleMania 7 still at this point is uh, going to be taking place in the L.A. Memorial Coliseum. <laughs> uh, they are pushing uh, get your tickets now. <laughs> well, you know. You want to be one of the 100,000 screaming fans? Yeah. Uh, of course, that did never happened in the end. They went to a much smaller no. venue. Uh, went, mean, yeah, 16,000 people. Me and Gene interviews the Legion of Doom in the locker room, and then the Hearts join them, and uh, they say they'll take on anyone, uh, basically implying that the LOD can get a shot as well. Uh, and then Sean It's Mooney, a bit of an awkward interview, honestly. It is. And the then, Hearts are there with their belts, and it's like they, they're, getting their, they're getting their heat ganked by the LOD. Uh, Sean Mooney is outside of Demolition's door and uh, just hears them yelling inside about the loss. I love when the heels lose, they go back to their locker room and just shout and yell at each other. Yeah, they get very mad and angry. Uh, so now we get intermission. Oh, sorry, before intermission, before they say intermission, Mean Gene is with Sensational Sherry. Yes. Uh, she is gloating over her forfeit win. And then she talks about the rumors about Sapphire. Yeah, but she won't. She does the Ric Flair like she won't reveal. No, and I love again because Macho Man later talks about rumors. So again, I like how there are rumors circulating amongst the heels. Yeah, yeah, the heels are all talking about like I, I, I think something's going on with Sapphire. Uh, so it's intermission now. Uh, they go away for five minutes. They come back in the building. It's still intermission. So we get so many interviews. Oh my god. Uh, Gene is back to talk about what's happening with the, uh, the rest of the card, and there's a lot left. Yeah. Uh, Gene yeah, then says, uh, that, uh, so 
<laughs> the next match the, is, this is the low point of the of the of the pay-per-view. So we've got a match coming up. We still have to go through some stuff, but they're talking yeah. about this match, Jake Roberts against Bad News Brown, and Bad News Brown has sewer rats. Well, so, that was the angle, right? So Jake has a snake, and him and Bad News are in a feud. And J- and Bad News says, Well, I'm gonna bring Harlem sewer rats. So he's gonna bring a big cage of them. And they're, and what it's implying is it's kind of like a promise of some kind of a confrontation between these rats and the snake in a ring, I guess. Yep. They're going to have a match. <laughs> they're going to get involved somehow. Cause of course, Jake puts his snake on his opponents. That's, that's kind of his thing, right? So, you know, bad news will counter by having these, these nasty sewer rats, uh, on his side. But of course, you know, so they, they say, well, they kind of break it down and then they, they cut to, a shot of the, the the sewer rats in a in a cage, but it's clearly just a possum, like a stuffed possum. Yep. <laughs> like 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 affixed to the side of the cage and nothing else. It's so weird. Well, here's the thing. There, so there there are like there's a legitimate snake that comes out with uh, Jake. Yes. There are yeah. no sewer rats, right? Mm-mm. There's a cage. It's covered though with a black sheet. And, yeah, of course. And, and they're never revealed. So they do this shot backstage, I guess, to pretend like there are actually rats in this cage. And as, as you've said, clearly a stuffed possum. Yeah, it's like with his mouth open. They cut then to what Damien's up to. Yes. Snake, and he's in the shower with his mouth open. It's so weird. Yeah, he's just getting showered. Uh, and, and like his mouth is wide open and I don't get it. Like, was that a real snake? Because it was a weird like kind of pose for a snake. Uh, the big boss so man is the referee for the match, so he does a promo. Uh, Sean Mooney then interviews Hacksaw Jim Duggan and Nikolai Volkov. Uh, they oh, are now my God. they are now pals because Nikolai, who has been a uh, communist for a long time, yes. uh, now loves the USA. Uh huh. Gene then interviews Earthquake. They show footage of when he took Hogan out on the Brother Love Show and when he took out Tugboat. Yes. Uh, they say that Bossman and Hogan will be taken out on stretchers tonight. And uh, Earthquake's promo is actually really good. Oh, he's tremendous. Yeah. Like, you know what? This guy was a hot heel. Yeah, he was. It was great. And, of course, Hogan gets him. Yeah. Not the champ. No, of course not. Let's the hottest heel in the company. Let's feed the hottest heel to Hulk Hogan. Yeah. And so the Bossman is, or the Earthquake, um, is great at being scary and believable as, like, someone who's going to hurt you. Yeah, uh, then well, he's an earthquake. He's uh, he's a natural disaster. Um, I, you know, so Bossman, just to clear it up, is the special referee for Jake the Snake against uh, Bad News Brown. He is also Hulk Hogan's second in the double main event. So without actually wrestling, he actually gets a lot of a, like a big kind of push on the show. He's all over the place. Him and his big boss man hat. <laughs> Sean Moody then interviews Jake Roberts. Uh, Damien is wrapped around him, and as it's, Jake is talking. Yeah. Damien continuously wraps his tail around Jake's neck and up Jake's face during the promo. Yeah. Like, it's pretty awesome. The snake... mean, that's a badass promo because, first of all, Damien clearly the first time wraps really tight on Jake's neck. He has to pull him off. Then wraps around again. And then, yeah, his, his little his little snake tail all up Jake's nose, all on his mustache. <laughs> Just fucking ribbing Jake, Damien. So good. Uh, so so not, not, not quite a uh, classic Jake promo, but good enough. Match six is Bad News Brown versus Jake Roberts, as we said. Bossman is the ref. Jake has a snake. Uh, Ra- or, uh, Bo- Bad News has sewer rats, but doesn't really. Bossman, boss man, uh, you know, runs to the ring. And you know what? Classic. An overexcited cop. So, 
perfect. I mean, he's a prototypical cop. Just so excited to be a cop. Just so excited to run and, and, and get down to business. It's all the exact kind of cop you don't want. Um, so you'll want, if I, if I, you know, if you're, you know, I like a calm cop, a, a rational cop, a cop that will, you know, not be so quick to, you know, jump into the fray. You want a cop that's going to assess the situation. Not the boss, man. <laughs> Fucking 100 miles an hour into the ring, swinging his nightstick like a crazy bastard. Uh, for this match and for the later on, we're also treated to Roddy Piper uh, with what yes. I believe is his best joke of the night. Sarcasm. Uh, oh, when God. he calls the big boss man the big bosom man. Oh my god. So what? Does the boss man have tits? Like, what? what is that? I don't understand what was funny about that. Neither do I, but he uses it all night long. And why? But why? I mean, again, Piper is a face. I don't know. I mean, that's very clear to me. So it's a, your He's a fucking face. He never turned oh. heel. He was a face. Makes no sense. Anyway. Bad news. Uh, typical match for him. Brawling. Nothing scientific whatsoever. You know... I get it. I, my, my time in seeing bad news was when he was a much older wrestler. Uh, mm-hmm. A lot of guys want to put him over like he was great. He's fucking terrible. Oh, he was a terrible pro wrestler in WWF. Yeah. And that's, and that's all that I have to, to kind of judge him by. So I, I get it. But I, I mean, I would have loved to see some of that fucking judo background, honestly. Yeah. Like uh, a badass who could school you on the, on the fucking mat. But he did, did punch, kick, punch. I did like I did enjoy his finisher though. Uh, bad news uses a chair on the boss or on Jake on the outside of the ring. The boss man's just looking at it, just cool with it. Piper says boss man's a DQ. Bad news and uh, and uh, and I mean really, <laughs> you know, like yeah. you know, bad news. Just think about this for a sec without me yeah. actually saying it. Bad news using the weapon on Jake and the cop is fine with it. That's weird. That was weird. It was it was it was strange, uh, strange for a for a for a cop to uh, to kind of act that way. So again, I mean, it, it's uh, I mentioned before, kind of um, he he kind of surprised me. Uh, bad. His, I thought I thought Boston would totally be against Bad News Brown. Um, uh, that match was dog shit. I haven't even finished. No yet. mention of the sewer rats. Yeah, Bad News misses a fist drop off the second rope. Jake with a knee lift. Bad news backdrops out of the DDT attempt. Bad news uses yeah. the chair again on the outside. Now That's he gets right. DQ'd. Now he gets DQ'd. That's right. Uh, so then bad news tries to hit a big hoax leg drop on the snake. <laughs> awesome. He pulls the snake to the middle of the ring. He goes for the leg drop. Boss man pulls the bag out of the way. Yep. Uh, bad news attacks boss man from behind. Jake makes a save with the Damien by putting it on bad news. Bad news. Bad news goes running. Piper says it was a cheap victory for some reason. Uh, I gave it a star. Meltzer gave it minus one star. I'll give it a star. I like the post-match antics. Uh, uh, they, at least there was something with the snake, so that was good. I, I enjoyed him going for the leg drop. There's something about that that was hilarious. And we don't get the sewer rats. We do not. Because uh, they, cause, you, you know why? Because they were not there. Uh, <laughs> so Gene interviews Demolition. They claim that the hearts are cheaters, which is great. More heel tactics. They are the ones who cheated. Which is yeah, but the hearts also, you know, uh, the, the Legion of Doom did help them out. I, I can never get that. I, I hated that the hearts needed help for that win. That bothered me. I always felt Demolition were fucking jobbers. <laughs> we get a brother love segment. His guest is Sergeant Slaughter. They claim that uh, Sergeant Slaughter was kicked out of the service. 
Uh, they introduce <laughs> Sergeant Slaughter like he's a brand new wrestler. Yeah, it's strange, isn't it? Like, Slaughter's been around now for, you know, over a decade. I mean, I didn't know Slaughter. My fandom came after his original WWF run. So I didn't, yeah. I hadn't actually seen him wrestle until he came back at this point. But I knew I, he but was I a knew, wrestler. I knew who he I was. I was alive when he was a wrestler and I, I knew of him. Like, in terms of wrestlers in the 80s, Sergeant Slaughter is what? Like, outside of WWF, he's probably like top three most well known. Absolutely. Yeah, for uh, sure. So I knew who he was. So, so you know, yeah. Anyway, yeah. Uh, it, this this segment is just terrible. Yeah. So he gives this big fucking uh, medal, which I think is great because it's an oversized medal that a heel is awarding to another heel, and that just That's makes good. people so mad. That is good. Uh, he gives it on. He gives this medal to Brother Love. Uh, he declares war on Nikolai Volkov, and he calls him a pinko commie <laughs> maggot scum puke. It's so good. Uh, he also <laughs> says that Saddam Hussein will Hussan, kick America's yep. butts in the war. It's just, oh my god! It's just it, overall just such a such a tasteless angle and such a tasteless character. And uh, here's where it begins, folks. Yeah, Sergeant Slaughter. Sean Moody interviews Mr. Fuji in the Orient Express. He makes reference to Hacksaw Jim Duggan's cross eyes, uh, <laughs> which I think is great. It's good. Uh, they cut away, though, because Jean has found Sapphire, and uh, he's at her door, but she uh, is not answering. Yeah, no one's answering the door today. Uh, match 7, Orient Express against Hacksaw and Nikolai Volkov. Oh, God. Hacksaw and Volkov come out to Stars and Stripes forever. Piper. It's just, it's just, it's just, it's just sickening. Piper says he still doesn't trust Nikolai. Uh, Piper, who in real life is a Canadian and in storyline is from Scotland, cares deeply about this guy and his affiliation with the U.S. I guess so, yep. Uh, Nikolai and Hacksaw sing God Bless America in, in homage to Kate Smith. They're terrible. It's, and it's so bad. Uh, Piper says... I mean, Nikolai, who has been singing the Russian national anthem for many years, the Soviet national anthem, has a decent voice, but my God, <laughs> it's so bad. Piper says it sounds like dinner was late at the dog pound. That got a little lull out of me. <laughs> yeah, I, I lolled a little bit too. Uh, then I lolled even greater when Vince said, now it's time to grapple. <laughs> that was great. <laughs> I mean, Vince acknowledging that this is uh, that this is wrestling <laughs> is always fun. Uh, the... It's a different time, right? Like Vince would all call it wrestling. It's so weird to hear Vince McMahon talk about like, even listening to Vince McMahon call holds, I'm like, he must have hated, like, acknowledging that this is wrestling. Uh, the Orient Express have the most hideous red tights on. Oh, they're wearing, like, red sweatpants. They're horrible. Uh, there's yeah. a double team on Volkov early. He has to sell because he's a baby face, and it's just dog shit. Because, I mean, <laughs> RIP and peace to Nikolai, but my God. like, oh, Okay, listen. One of the nice, according to wrestlers, like, one of the nicest guys in the business but that dude's work rate and look were just horrendous. <clears throat> uh, Splash is missed, and there's a hot tag to Duggan. He's on fire against the two heels. Uh, punches, <sighs> noggin knocker. Big three-point stance, clothesline to the Orient, and Hacksaw leaps on him. Yes. <clears throat> Hacksaw does like this little splash to pin him. Yep. I wrote quick and no good. I actually gave it half a star. Meltzer gave it minus one. I give it a dud. I hate Hacksaw Jim Duggan with such a passion. Three minutes and 22 seconds, that match. Yeah, very bad. Mean Gene is in the dressing room, and Dusty Rhodes is knocking on Sapphire's door. She won't answer. Dusty is concerned. 
He has God, to there's go out. so many backstage segments. It's just dragging this whole thing down, eh? So Dusty has to go out for his match against the Macho King. Yes. He comes to the ring by himself. Sean Mooney interviews the Macho King. Well, he's Macho's, the king's on his throne. Yes, he is. Um, with the four, the four jobbers holding him up, and he's all doing a promo. Sean Moody's on like a, uh, on like a chair or like a little step ladder, and he's all shaking because he's he's unsteady. And Macho Man all cuts the promo. My favorite thing about Macho Man is the way that he demonstrates one, two, three with his fingers. Yes, because he does the one, two, and then he all kind of swirls it into the into the three, like in the OK symbol. It's the best. Uh, he also. I want to. I I try to do that in my regular life. If I'm like one, two, three, <laughs> so good, so dashing. He says that the rumors about Sapphire must be true. He also yep. says that the founding fathers didn't have Dusty Rhodes in mind when they came up with the American Dream. And I thought, yep, probably. That's what. That's one of the greatest lines on this show. Uh, Macho Man is carried to the ring by the jobbers. Uh, as yes. as he's being carted out there, he's still cutting promos to the camera. I love it. I mean, Savage was like, where do we have Savage on our on our greatest wrestlers? I mean, he was high. Top five. He's one of the greatest of all time. Uh, before the match can start, Ted DiBiase comes out to the stage. <laughs> he cuts a promo about how everyone has a price. Then he calls out Sapphire. Of course. Sapphire, Sapphire comes to the ring in a mink coat. Uh, Good with, on her. With jewelry and a duffel bag full of cash. That's so good. I love in wrestling how, <laughs> for the longest time, you would you would have a little WWF like duffel bag and you'd put cash yeah, in it. Of course, like that's how transactions took place between yeah, wrestlers. Here's a duffel bag full of money. Uh, it's like when it's like at WrestleMania one where Bobby the Brain has the duffel bag full of money, and it's all not only a duffel bag full of money, it's all filled with crumpled bills. <laughs> so, so. Teddy Biasi is so proud because he has bought Sapphire away from uh, Dusty Rhodes. Yes. And I think to my, I just think to myself, why would he do this? Like, he wants to humiliate Dusty Rhodes, so I get that part of the motivation. But, like, you're going to have fucking Sapphire be in your corner now? Like, that's you're the payoff like, for it's you? It's Sapphire, and how much money have you spent on her? Yeah. Like, a Cadillac and diamonds and, and fur coats? Like, you couldn't have just been, like... I got 10,000 bucks. Like, do you want it? Like, you'd think for the common man's woman, like, that would be enough. Nope, it's got to be just over the top. Uh, Dusty is so sad, he heads down the aisle, but gets clobbered by Savage, and the bell rings while they're on the outside. Makes no sense. Macho throws Dusty back in the ring, he delivers an axe handle, him and Sherry are all over roads, uh, Piper... <laughs> is uh, being a heel and says he doesn't really blame Sapphire. Uh, you know, this at this point in the show, I'm watching Savage and Rhodes. And I'm, I'm listening to Piper, and I'm thinking, how much better this would have been with Jesse on commentary? Yes. Because, of course, Jesse, I, I mean, Jesse is the only thing that saves that next tag match at WrestleMania. Yes. With his, with his commentary about, about Rhodes starting it and all this. I mean, I, I, in my head, I try and dream of, like, what Jesse would have said about Rhodes. <laughs> it would have been so good. Uh, they spill to the outside. Macho hides behind Sherry. She slips uh, Macho her purse, distracts yes. Rhodes and the ref, and Macho nails Dusty with the loaded purse and gets the pin. I said it was garbage. I gave it half a star. Uh, minus one star for this two minute and 15 second match by uh, Dave Meltzer. I'm going to give it one star because I like seeing Savage. I'm going to do the whole package. 
from from Savage's interview to the end of the match. They go back to Sean Mooney, who tries to get an interview with DiBiase as he's leaving with Virgil and Sapphire. Uh, they go into the limo. Dusty Rhodes runs backstage. He can't stop the limo from driving off. He runs after it, all fat, down the fucking uh, <laughs> backstage area, just looking like a fucking geek. Like they, th- people talked about how they wanted to humiliate him with the polka dots and the common man yep. gimmick, and how he, he got them it. over. He could not get this over. No, he did not look good. I mean, the the dream. Uh, you know, this was the low point. Uh, you know, he would he would come back and he team with it with it with uh, with uh, with with Dustin, and it was a good little end run there. I felt it was a good program, uh, and also his 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 voodoo top hat at Survivor Series was great. Uh, but uh, this is the low point for for Rhodes in the WWF. Piper makes a really good point. Uh, what he says, what would have happened if Dusty had gotten there sooner? Would he have just laid in front of the car? Like, what was his plan? <laughs> What's the motivation? Yeah, chasing a car. Yeah, exactly. Uh, match nine, Earthquake against Hulk Hogan. Yes. Uh, Quake is out with Dino Bravo and uh, Jimmy Hart. Uh, Hogan cuts the promo that we heard at the start of the show, which was fantastic. Talking about the tugster. Bossman gets his own entrance, and he is the corner man for Hogan. He's got a fucking shiner. I don't know where that's from. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. Uh, Hogan makes his entrance to huge, huge applause. People are going nuts for him still. Oh, Hogan's very clearly the number one guy. Uh, Hogan tore... And uh, this will this will be... This will continue unabated through 1992. Hogan tears his shirt off and throws it at Earthquake, who pitches a fit over it. Then Hogan spits on Earthquake. Oh, um, he's, a, he's a good guy. Uh, Earthquake, by the way, uh, is the first heel... Uh, that knocks Hogan out of action for a long period of time. Now he had he had sold a little bit for King Kong Bundy before WrestleMania two, but yeah, a little bit for the Zeus Meister. Yeah, but the earthquake attack is has Hogan out for a couple of months. Uh, the the story is um, that he so he was injured in May on the Brother Love Show on the Cindy's, um, and uh, I guess at this time was the birth of his son, who was born in July nineteen ninety. There you go. That would explain kind of Hogan's uh, short absence. In the meantime, they would. Uh, I, I remember listening to uh, uh, one of Pritchard's shows, and one of the things I learned about that that was interesting was the um, the concept of well, send Hulk Hogan letters. It's all so they could get addresses for their catalogs. <laughs> yes, <laughs> that's that's tremendous. Uh, uh, let's see here. Piper says that Dino Bravo hangs out with Earthquake for the same reason why so so girls hang out with fat girls. So you know, fucking pipes. Vince speculates that Hogan looks like he's around the 287 pound mark. <laughs> like, <laughs> I didn't get that. So specific. What the fuck? Like, you think you'd say 290? Yeah, no, 287. He's like, he looks about uh, 287. <laughs> Earthquake pushes Hogan off during the lockup. Uh, this makes Jimmy Hart so happy. Uh, Hogan goes for a slam, but gets clubbed in the back by Quake. He gets worked over, comes back with punches. Uh, this is your typical Hogan versus big guy match, right? Yeah, there's not much to it, honestly. Like, it's not it's not terrible, but it's not that good. There's a point where Bossman and Hogan throw Dino Bravo in the ring. They double-team Quake and Dino. The ref does nothing. Nope. Uh, he, and it'll uh, go. Yeah, he, as he's getting Bossman out of the ring, Dino nails Hogan from behind, and uh, Quake gives Hogan an elbow for two. Uh, at one point... Uh, what is great is that uh, Quake gives Hogan a Boston Crab. That's fantastic, right? Yeah. It's That's really... got to be devastating. Oh, and then like a legitimate looking one, too. 
that dude's fucking girth on your small of your back. Absolutely. Uh, Earthquake goes for another elbow, but Hogan gets out of the way. He goes for another slam, but Earthquake falls on top of him. We get a long bear hug. And then uh, we get a power slam by Quake. He puts the foot on Hogan's chest and does the ear thing, like hand to the ear for the crowd. Yeah, that was great. Uh, A little little taunting. There are two Earthquake splashes, and Vince is like, the career of Hogan is over. We've seen the end, and it's horrible. And then Hogan Hogan kicks out and hulks up. Hulk up time, yep. Uh, Three punches, big boot, a slam, a leg drop, but Bravo distracts the referee. Uh, Hogan, Good job, Dino. Hogan slams Jimmy Hart on Earthquake, uh, and then uh, they go to the outside, and Hogan <laughs> slams Earthquake on a table that doesn't break. No, he like hits it and just tips over. It's so weird. Yeah, he's, and so it's Hogan, one of those non gimmick tables back in the in not early nineties. You know, like it's a it's a table you'd actually have in like a a school classroom. It's all it's all built all sturdy. Hogan Earthquake just kind of hits it and like falls down, and then the table falls down as well. It's weird. Hogan gets back in and wins by countout. Uh, Earthquake attacks Hogan afterwards, but Bossman drills him in the back with a stepladder. They call it a chair. It's a stepladder. It's so weird, and Quake's back is all fucking bleeding. Yeah, so they leave these huge welts in his back. Uh, The heels flee when Bossman takes out his nightstick. (laughs) Of course. The cop. Uh, Piper says it was a bit of a hollow victory for Hogan. Vince says Hogan was victorious, but Piper says Hogan didn't get a victory over anything. He did. He did. He won by countout. It's a win. Uh, but I did say Piper saying it's not a real win because Hogan didn't get a pinfall. Piper would say that. That with that is that is within Piper's character. I agree. Uh, so I, I did I did like that. I then wrote entertaining crap and gave it two stars. Yeah, I'll I'll give it a star and a half. Uh, I hate Hulk Hogan, but. Uh... Quake, Quake was working, and man, he took some shots there. Meltzer gave it two and a quarter. Uh, Hogan does the chicken motion to his music and poses for a long time. Of course. I, took yeah. a, I went and took a piss and came back, and Hogan was still posing. Hogan was still posing. And this was the worst part about Hogan not being in the main event, because the posing would go on so long, and you're just like, just get to the next match already. So we go to Rick Rude. He's cutting a promo on the Ultimate Warrior. He says he has the advantage in a steel cage. I don't know why. Yeah, I don't, I don't get it. It's, uh, I feel like, well, I guess because he can climb out faster. Yeah. Maybe. Uh, so Gene is, is with Dusty Rhodes in the locker room. He says he doesn't blame Sapphire for taking the money, but he offered her his innocence. That's weird. <laughs> so weird, baby. Why would he say innocence, mama? He says that people ask him when he's going to get mad. He says he's going to get mad and he's coming after DiBiase. So sure. Come after you, Ted DiBiase. I'm going to show you. I'm going to boogie you all over you. <laughs> They're in the midst of setting up the cage. Lord Alfred Hayes says that the crew is trying to beat their record for setting up the cage. Uh, well, he, that's an exciting tidbit of information. He gives other stats that I don't care about. We go back to me and Gene. He's got Hogan with him. This is pretty yes. good. Uh, this is yes. another promo that I wish I could have had uh, on the recording. This was good. He says he's going to now kickstart his wide glide and ride up to Jack Tunney's <laughs> office. He says, he says the new buildings that are being built are earthquake proof. He says he'll beat Quake all over the country until Tunney makes him the number one contender. <laughs> yes. He also introduces the fourth demandment, which is believe in yourself. He also says he's going to build a new surfboard and head out to Venice Beach. And then yes. I wrote, I can't keep up with this. It's so good. Vince? He talks about how he got 400,000 letters. <laughs> 
400,000 <laughs> magazines or uh, catalog subscriptions. There's, there's no way it was that many. No way. Roddy and Vince do some chitter chatter as the cage is being constructed. Sean Mooney is with Earthquake. He yells a lot at Hogan and the boss men and shows off the welts on his back. And then yes. finally, we are like 15 minutes away from the end of this pay-per-view. And we yep. finally get the fucking champion mentioned and put on screen. Like the first real mention of him, right? Yes. We saw his picture earlier when they were breaking down the second half of the card. But this guy, nowhere to be seen. No. So uh, we get Ultimate Warrior. He cracks a joke about Heenan and Rude. Yeah. And he cracks a smile. And then he poses and growls and snorts. And then he cuts a promo. <laughs> I don't know what he's saying and I don't care. It doesn't. It, it makes no sense. And... uh Fuck the Warriors, just the worst. Like this, this down period here, I believe it completely correlated to the Ultimate Warrior. Match 10 is Ultimate Warrior against Rick Rude for the WWF Championship in a steel cage. A blue steel cage. They play terrible overdubbed music for Rick Rude. The audio mix is awful. Like the commentary is all fucked up. The DVD is fantastic in this case. Usually the DVDs are dog shit because of all the edits they had to do. Yep. But in this case, Rude's music is intact. Um, so watching it the first time around, I was very excited finally because after watching Rude matches on on the network with that terrible stripper music, uh, it's nice to hear the uh, the classic back. Rick Rude is in the ring. The warrior comes out. He climbs the outside of the cage. <clears throat> Rick Rude climbs the inside of the cage. They meet at the top, yep. and they're slugging it out, and they fucking ring the bell. Makes no sense. I'm like, so can Warrior just drop down now? It's, you know, again, like you don't, like I, I get it, okay? You don't plan out every single thing in the match, but you don't when you're sitting there talking, be like, you know, this doesn't make sense. Like, couldn't you tell the person who rings the bell, like, here are some rules. Like we, yes, we're in, they you know, both be in the ring. Like the wrestlers, the yeah, the wrestlers can cheat all they want, but for the person who rings the bell, they're like, okay, he, there are some, there's some, ground rules that we always have to follow for this. Yeah. Uh, Warrior gets in the ring and has the advantage right away. The idea here, by the way, Rick Rude is the number one contender. The push for him... For no reason, the reason, the Well, the reason that they, they pump him up as a contender is that he defeated the Ultimate Warrior a year and a half ago at WrestleMania Five for the Intercontinental title. Uh, he... One by cheating, he was jobbed out big time at SummerSlam yes. 1989, and now they're like, well, he beat him once, so that makes him a contender, and he is dangerous. It makes no sense. Um, I, I think they, they just wanted to put someone in there with the worry to make him look good, but the sell job of him, you know, this is an underwhelming title match at best, just because, I mean, Rick Rude at WrestleMania is fighting Jimmy Snuka. Like, there's, there's literally nothing uh, compelling about this at all. Roddy, so as much as I blame the warrior, I mean, this was not the best position for him to be put in. Roddy Piper is burying the warrior. Uh, he says, I bet you he legitimately didn't like the guy as many didn't. No. Uh, says he would tie warrior's tassels to the cage and that they're the dumbest thing he's ever seen. Yes. When the warrior pumps his arms, Piper repeatedly asks what the more warrior means when he pumps his arms. Yes. Uh, Rude gets busted open from being thrown in the cage and then the warrior does as well. Uh, eventually... Rude goes for the Rude Awakening. It gets powered out. Uh, Warrior goes for the splash. Rude gets his knees up. He gets the Rude Awakening. He goes to the very top of the cage and delivers a forearm from the top, which is impressive. 
It would look pretty good. He then does it again, but gets punched. And I almost think the first time he came down, he was supposed to get punched. Yes. That the warrior fucked up. When it went in doubt. Yeah. Uh, do the spot again. Yeah. So then the warrior is crawling to get out the door like a coward. Yep. Heenan slams it in his face. Uh, both guys run their heads together and both don't go down. Rude tries to get out of the ring and warrior drags him back in by hiking his tights down and showing his full bare ass. Yep. Uh, like Class. ass and like fucking like total brown eye. Like, just <laughs> like big time pants pulling. Yes. Uh, Bra- R- Warrior beats on Heenan and then pumps his arms again. Piper asks again what it means. Yep. Uh, Rude clotheslines Warrior, uh, but then Warrior hulks up using the ropes. He delivers the clotheslines, the press slam, and then he climbs over the cage and wins. Uh, Rude <sighs> looks like a geek. He's just buried in this title match. It's not competitive. I gave it um, one and a half stars and uh, Meltzer gave it two and a half. Yeah, it's not worth two and a half. Uh, not, not a good match at all. Rick, uh, Rick cage Rude. matches. I mean, listen, <laughs> this, this style of cage match is terrible. Uh, it's a bad concept. The cage match is supposed to be a way to keep two guys in the ring and keep people out. Um, so you want to have a definitive winner in the ring. Having the escape the cage thing is pointless and uh yeah there's the great cage matches are few and far between i mean brett and owen did a fantastic one uh uh four years after this <coughs> excuse me but um really this is one of the worst cage matches that i've seen rick rude uh would be pissed off over his payoff at this event he would then get hurt they would continue yeah. to advertise him for matches which he wouldn't be at and he claimed that he should be getting paid because his name was on the marquee Nice. Uh, he eventually leaves the uh, he leaves the WWF uh, the following year and goes to WCW. Uh, well, I think it, I feel like it was around Survivor Series because he was originally promoted as being at Survivor Series. So, and that is SummerSlam '90. What are your final thoughts? Uh, it's a bad event. Again, I have a, um, a soft spot for it, but really, um, unless you're a wrestling completist, it's best to avoid if you want to see a good match though a good tag match watch hard foundation demolition it's tremendous other than that a big hard pass from me it's a terrible event <laughs> it's it's so bad uh too much cutting backstage no good matches except for that one tag match i agree watch the one match otherwise you've got your review you don't have to watch it now so you're welcome yeah uh, next week uh, we will be uh tackling yet another SummerSlam event that is bad. That seems to be the theme this year. Yes. Um, we're going to be talking about SummerSlam 1993. Uh, the Lux Express rolls into Detroit, Michigan. Uh, go to mezzaninesleepover.com. Well, yeah, go to mezzaninesleepover.com for all the back catalog of the show. Follow yeah. us on Twitter at Mezzanine Sleepover is the handle. Follow our new podcast. Mezzanine Sleepover, folks. Mezzanine Sleepover. Follow our new podcast, Albums Are Dead. Yes. Uh, check that one out where we break down a new album every week. That comes out every Thursday. And uh, we're on episode five this week and very excited about that. But still putting out mezzanine content for all of our mezzanine pals. Can you believe it, folks? Uh, we never lie. And uh, what's our other catchphrase? Uh, can you um, check I don't, the wicked? Check the wicked. There you go. Yeah. Uh, I am at Slip with Five Eyes or Slip. I'm at MegaMix.com. We'll see you next week with SummerSlam 93. Cool. A pimp gets paid while his girl gives hugs. Holding his own in whatever he does. Just to get back what once was. From the street ghetto drive to the rich and the wealthy. To the ones that are sick. To the ones that are healthy. The message is clear, spread from far and wide. The solution is yours. It's up to you to provide.